0: Well, Welcome. So glad that you guys are here. Uh, a couple of things as we start. Uh, really, like, I need all the kids' attention. Real, real quick, just the kids' attention up here. Are you guys excited for Santa coming tomorrow? Yeah! Man, yes, yes, of course. Okay, very excited over here, especially. All right, so, so, uh, so here's, I'm gonna give you an opportunity right now to express how excited you are, okay? On the count of three, you're going to yell as loud as you want don't look at your mom. Look at me. It's okay. You can do this. All right. So you can scream as loud as you want. Now I've warned everybody else. On the count of three, scream as loud as you want. Show us how excited you are. Okay. For tomorrow. One, two, three. (laughs) All right. All right. Way to go. You guys definitely win over here. I'm praying for your family and your parents specifically amazing. That's awesome. Listen, we're so glad that you guys are here. Um, let me just take a moment and say, kids, I need one more, one more thing from you. Now it's my time to talk. You be quiet. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Hey, listen, we have been talking in this series about how to develop a certain life, a life of certainty and surety where you can walk through this world with confidence. And it's challenging, it really is, because we have a world that goes like this. It's up and it's down. And it seems like as the world goes up and down, so often do Christians, we just kind of go and up and down with the circumstances of life. But I don't actually think that's what God has for us and that's what God wants for us. I think we are rooted in something deeper and more certain than just our circumstances and that has a net effect on our life that we're gonna talk about today. So we're here to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. We're gonna do that by talking actually not about Jesus. We're gonna talk about Jesus, but we're not gonna talk about the birth of Jesus. We're gonna talk about one of his ancestors. We're gonna look at a guy whose name is David from the Old Testament. In fact, one of Jesus' titles is son of David. He was a known character in the Old Testament, a beloved character in the Old Testament. He was a warrior. He was a poet. He was a writer. He was an artist. The Bible even says that he was good looking. He seemed to have just about everything that you could possibly want in that generation to be the guy. But there was something unique about David in his generation that was different, made him stand out from everybody else. And that was that David walked with a kind of certainty in life. He was sure about his relationship with God. And my contention this morning and the argument that I'm gonna build this morning is that there's no way for you to be certain about what's going on out here until you're certain about what's going on in here. You're not going to be able to know what's going on out here and be certain about it unless and until you know what's going on in here. And so we're going to look at David uh, specifically. We're going to look this morning at Psalm 27. We're going to start in verse 1. And he has a kind of certainty that's compelling and attractive. And the Bible says that David's relationship with God was so close that he was a man after God's own heart. So let's take a look. What is the secret to David's certainty? Psalm 27.1 starts like this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So the first thing I want you to see are these rhetorical questions here. Whom shall I fear? And whom shall I be afraid? David's basically repeating the same thing twice with an emphasis saying, I don't actually need to be afraid of anybody because of some of the other highlighted words up here. We don't need to worry. We don't need to be filled with anxiety. My boss isn't in control. My wife's not in control. My husband's not in control. My my friends aren't in control. The culture's not in control. The media's not in control. In fact, I have a perspective that's different than that. He starts off by saying, the Lord is my light. Well, what is light? Like, what would he mean by that? Well, what is light to us? It's illumination. It's illumination. And so right now, if we turn off all of the lights in the room right now, and we took off all these fancy lights, turned off this digital board, did all that stuff, made sure all the emergency lights were off, your eyes, which function absolutely perfectly right now, would be of no use to you whatsoever. Why? Because light is actually what's necessary as it hits the eye, for us to be able to see anything. And he's saying essentially, look, the Lord is my light. He's the thing that actually lets me see the world clearly. He's the one who actually allows me to see myself clearly, and me to allow, he allows me to see himself clearly. So when he says the Lord is my light, he's saying, now I know more about me Because he's told me about me, because he's told me about what he thinks about me, and he's told me more about him and what I should think about him. He is my light. He helps me see the world in a different way. And then he also gives me this gift, and this gift called salvation. Salvation has two parts to it. And the word salvation here essentially means rescue. God has come to rescue us from a sin problem that we have. And right now, I know I just lost some of you because there's some people in the room, like you're here because your grandma brought you or your friends brought you. And you're like, you know, I'll see you at Easter, Pastor, but you know, it's not my thing. And here, and I, I get it, I totally get it. And here's the reason why. Because as soon as someone starts talking about sin, you tune out. And here's the reason why. Because you came across some Christians or maybe even some pastors who were kind of junked up in their understanding of what sin is. And as a result, they pointed their fingers at you, said, hey, you're bad people. And as a result, you walked away going, "Well, that's not very encouraging or helpful for me in my life in any way. And so you walked away from it. Or it turns you off. and You think, man, this is not something that I'm getting a return from. So I want to actually give you more of a Bible understanding of what sin is and then talk to you about why we talk about it occasionally. Here's, here's, here's what the Bible says. Sin is missing the mark. Now, that's an ancient way of describing something, but let's make it more portable. And in today's language, sin is being off track with God. Sin is being off track with God. And I think, even if you're a Christian in the room, you would acknowledge that there are times where we're just off track with God. We sin. We are sinners. And the problem with that is that we can't actually solve that problem on our own. And so the Father sends Jesus into the world to die for our sins so that he can give us new life and new hope, and so that he can complete the beautiful story that he's writing in each and every one of our lives. I know that it turns you off sometimes and that's frustrating to you, but it's only because we see it as something totally negative. And here's how I'm going to flip it around and show you that it's not negative. It's actually super helpful. And in fact, I'll argue right now that there's no way that you can actually be happy until you understand your sin. So it's like this. I go to the doctor one day and the doctor says, hey, Mike, uh, I'm sorry to tell you this, but um, we did the tests and the scans show that you have cancer. Now, I hope that that's not what's your situation right now. But he says, hey, you've got cancer. Now, immediately, I'm going to be brokenhearted. I'm going to think about my children. I'm going to think about my wife. I'm going to think about our church. I'm going to think about all the ministry that we have to do. And maybe this is getting cut short at this time. It'll be a moment of anxiety. And some of you who had that diagnosis know exactly what that's like. It's terrifying. And so here's the challenge, though. I don't look at the doctor and say, hey, doctor, why did you tell me that? Why didn't you say something nicer to me, something better to me? Because if he had done that, then the cancer is in my body still. And if I ignored it, then it would ultimately eat me alive and I would die. I would have a problem. Sin is, not, sin is just like cancer. It's in you. And unless it's addressed, it's actually going to destroy you. And so for us, we talk about it like this. We think that once you get a handle on the fact that you're off track with God, that you can figure out how to get on track with God, get rid of that sin, and start making, hu- taking huge steps in your life. And that's our goal for you today. I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of this message. I can't even tell you the number of people who have already responded to this message uh, over the last several services that we have. I think we're on the sixth service Sixth service, maybe. Yeah, I think that's we're on the sixth service. And we've already had 200 and something people take first steps toward Jesus. And I want you to be one of those people because here's the thing. I totally believe with all my heart that Jesus is the great hope for the world and his desire for you is not to be a bad father to you, but to be a good one who will watch over you and love you with all of his heart. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Well, the answer is no one. No one should I fear. Whom shall I be afraid of? No one. Why? Because the Lord is the stronghold of my life. The word stronghold here is a defensive term. And a stronghold is a place that you run to when you're being attacked. And so David's saying, look, God, you've done some things for me. You've showed me who I am. You've showed me who you are. You've offered me salvation that all I have to do in order to get it is simply to receive it. Who am I supposed to be afraid of? My ending is solid. My present is good. I know who I am. I know what you say about me. I know that I'm going to heaven one day. What do I have to worry about? Seriously. Like, I'm good. I'm solid. I'm grounded. My boss? No. My, my relationships? No. You? No. There's nothing to be afraid of. The Lord is my stronghold. When things get hard and things get difficult, Christians run to Jesus. And when we run to God, when we run to Jesus, he's our stronghold. He is the one who defends us. I need you to know that that is the very nature of a good father. Listen, if I was out in public one day and I saw that my daughter was in danger from somebody, I'm not gonna sit back and go, oh, well, we'll see how this turns out. How's this gonna work? No. You know what a good father does? A good father bows up. A good father runs to her defense and will stand between her and danger because that's what we do. We're not gonna let somebody tear our kid apart because we love our children. It's the exact same thing with the father right now. For many of you, you just need to hear that, that God's desire is to be your defender. And for some of you, for some of you that grew up similar to the way I grew up and you needed to be defended and there was no one there, you need to know that's not true. Years and years ago, some people told me about Jesus, and they showed me that in the middle of all of my personal sin and wickedness, and the, I can't talk about it with the kids here, the brokenness, and all the sin, all, all of the abuse and things, that God was with me the whole time. And you need to know it right now. He's with you right now, and He was with you before, and you know that because you're still here and you're with us. The Lord is your great defender and all you have to do in order to be able to appropriate that for your life is to trust in him, to give him your life, to focus on the fact that he's the stronghold of my life, and there's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be afraid when you know that God is on your side. So here's a principle for you. How do you build certainty in life? Certainty is built on choices that have been invested in the right things. If you take where your life is right now, and some of you What you did was you invested in the wrong things. You kind of made some decisions, you made some choices. Some of them were questionable morally. You know that, I know that, we know that. And some of them were hard choices, but you walked away from God. You were in a direction away from him. And those choices led you to increased suffering and increased pain in your life. Why? Because you're not living the life that God desires for you to live, the beautiful story he wants to write for your life. You are working against his plan. And as a result, what ends up happening is instead of being defended, you've said, no thanks, I don't need any of that. You now have to bear the weight of your whole life and the life and the expectations of everyone around you. And you need to know you're not alone. But you can feel alone when you walk away from Jesus. David never did that. One of the unique things about David was his certainty with God was that he absolutely was focused and clear on the fact that God was for him. And God spoke to him. David responded. We have this uh, we have this thing at home, the um, manger set, this nativity scene. And this nativity scene, it's just we've had it forever and ever. And years ago, I went to go look at it because it's kind of cool. And my wise men were missing. And so I have two boys, and so I was like, "Boys, because boys," and and, and I went, "Boys, where, where are my wise men?" And they're like, "They're like, I don't know, we don't have no idea." I'm like, "Bring me my freaking wise men right now," because I knew they took them, right? And they're like, "We don't have them, Dad. We don't know where they are." And 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 my daughter goes, "I took them," which I didn't even suspect her. And, she, and I was like, why did you take the wise men? And she said, I took the wise men because I'm not going to take part in a Christmas heresy. I was like, what are you talking about? And she goes, the Bible. The Bible tells us that the wise men didn't show up till almost two years after the birth of Jesus, and you got them standing around the manger. She's 14 years old, and the, and, and the wise men right now are on a shelf looking at the manger across the room <laughs> like they're getting ready to take a journey. I told Katie when she was young, the most important thing that you can do in your life is not trust your feelings or your emotions. The most important thing, you can't trust yourself. What you can trust is everything that comes out of the word of God. You can trust that when God speaks to you, that is for your good, and that is to create a more beautiful story for your life. And this is exactly what David knew. It was the key to his intimacy. He was connected to God in such a way that many in his generation were not. Psalm 27, one and two. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? No one. Verse two, when the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. So the first thing I want you to see about this is that David, when he's talking about wicked people advancing against him, he was a king. And and, and therefore, in the nation of Israel, people often came against Israel to take the kingdom from him, to kill him, to devour him. And he says, look, when the wicked come and advance against me, and you know what that's like. He defines wickedness right here as people who devour. And some of us have been in relationships where we know devouring is exactly the word that would describe them. At the end of that relationship, it was a relationship of taking and taking and taking and taking and taking. There was no giving. There was no strengthening of you. It never made you better. It didn't bring you closer to the Lord. It took from you over and over again. And as a result of that relationship, you have found yourself just in pieces. And it happens sometimes because sometimes people act wickedly towards us. They devour us. Other of, others of us in the room, we never were in a relationship like that, but we did walk away from God. And as you walked away from God, or maybe you never even started walking with God, and you just started walking down a path that you felt like was best. You were doing what was best in your own eyes. And as a result of doing that, you just reaped the consequences of a life that was not defended and watched over and guided by God himself, by a good father whose heart for you is to love you and to give you beautiful and good things. Now, that's not to say, by the way, that you're not gonna have suffering and hardship in this life. Just so you know, that's not a Christian or non-Christian thing. Everybody suffers. Everybody goes through hardship. It's because we live in a broken world that has been tainted by sin, and we can't avoid that. But there's a huge difference between when you fall down and Jesus is there to pick you up, or when you fall down and you're by yourself. And I've done both things. And when you do the one thing, when you're by your When you're by yourself and there's no one there to pick you up, you know exactly what it's like to really fall. And then when you have Jesus there, when you fall and he holds you and he defends you and he strengthens you and it's not just you and your own abilities, it changes you. Everyone suffers, but the Lord is with some. And all that requires for him to be with you is for you To respond to him, he says, "Listen, you need to know that when the wicked advance against you to devour you, it is your enemies and your foes who will stumble and fall. When someone comes, the Lord will stand between you and them, and they will stumble and fall. They will trip and fall. They will not have be successful in that because God is a defender. He stands between us because He is." A good father. Let's take a look at his confidence. Look in verse 3. It says this Though an army besiege me, in other, in other words, the worst circumstances of his world, a, a foreign nation comes in to try to destroy him. He's got he's to he's get together his army and do all of this work and do, to, to, to defend his nation. Verse 3. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me, even then, I'm going to be confident. What makes him so solid in, in his confidence? It's this next passage of scripture, or at least the ideas in this next passage of scripture that I'm gonna show you. And this next passage of scripture that I'm gonna show you is written by David's son. And I've often wondered when I've read these words, if David was the one that taught them to his son, Solomon. And so, you know, around, the di- around the dinner table, hey, Solomon, here, here's a couple things, son, that you need to know. Solomon, writing them down like a good son. Here they are, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Hey, Solomon, trust in the Lord with all your heart, son. And don't lean on your own understanding, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he, God, will make straight your paths. So what does that look like? So, so first of all, it starts with trusting in the Lord. And sometimes that's the hard part for us. We're like, I want to do my thing. And God's like, no, no, I got a thing for you. And all you have to do is trust me. And don't trust me a little bit, but trust me with everything, with big things and small things, with all of your heart. And this part is the most important part, because this right here talks about the difference between um, David's certainty and our certainty, modern certainty and David's certainty. And here it is. Modern certainty is based upon the fact that we have skills, talents, and abilities, that we're strong, that we're able, that we can do stuff. And you can. God made you in his image. You are powerful in that way. But watch this, watch this. David's trust was not in himself, but it was his trust in God as his defender and strength. Trust in the Lord with your heart for all your circumstances and don't lean on your own understanding, your own abilities, your own beauty, your own goodness, your own strength, your friends, your neighbors, your, your job, your wealth, your, your background, your parents, whatever it is, don't lean on those things because if you lean on them, these are things that will eventually fail and you will fall. Don't trust in these things. Instead, in all your ways, acknowledge God. Bring him into your circumstances. Trust him with your life. Give it to him. Let him be the spiritual leader of your life. And he, God, will make straight your paths. So I love the imagery of making straight a path. It precludes the idea that our paths are already straight. In fact, we learn this in science, that that the quickest point between two, the quickest direction between two points is a straight line right? And so we acknowledge that a straight line it gets us from here to here as quick as possible. He says, look, I want to make your life straight. I want to take you from where you are right now to where I am. And it's going to be a straight line, but you got to trust me with all your heart. You got to not lean on your own understanding. You got to bring me into the decision-making processes of your life. Invest in me, and then I will invest in you in that way. And he says, look, here's the problem. The road is crooked, and we all walk the crooked road. This is what it looks like, just because you wake up in the morning and you go throughout your week. I mean, how many weeks have you had where you're like, man, everything was absolutely perfect this week. Everybody I talked to did exactly what I wanted them to. Every, my boss was like, man, you're getting a 35% increase. You know, it's awesome. Like every, everything is just wonderful. That doesn't work that way. The road is crooked. And so what we need is someone to come along and start straightening that out. And that's part of that salvation that he has. Salvation is not something that happens to us once we die, salvation starts right here and now, where he begins building a new you and a new road to him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. So people ask me all the time, Pastor Mike, what is, how do I attach myself to God's will? Where is God's will? What is God's will? And I need you to understand that God's will is not something that you have to find. God's will is something you're currently in. So here's I want you to, which I, how I want you to think about it, right? I want you to imagine, Just we're gonna use our imaginations. I want you to imagine there is a great river that runs through your life. And this great river that runs through your life runs through every other life of every other person that you know. And this great river is the will of God. And it's not still, it's a rushing water, right? And so I take these guys, the pastors of the church, um, four or five times a year over to Port Orange. And so we go to this restaurant over here that's, that's about to be seen on the screen. And we eat there, we have fun. We, go to, we stay in a hotel over there for about three or four days. We do a lot of writing, a lot of team building. We do that kind of stuff uh, like three, four or five times a year. And it's a fantastic time. But I have this compulsion, right? And when I'm there, I have a compulsion to jump into the water at the end of the bridge, And I want it, you can see how the current's going. You can see it all the way down the river. Because this is where the river comes and it meets the ocean. And there are all of these hidden dangers. Because I think I can swim across from the Port Orange to the New Smyrna side. I can do it. I know I can. You know why? I'm a freaking good swimmer. Like I'm not an average swimmer. I'm not a good, I'm like, I can swim miles. Like I am a good swimmer. But here's the thing: if I jumped in there and I wasn't aware, there's two big dangers that are beneath the surface that I would not be aware of. Number one, Somebody told me one time there's a lot of bull sharks over there. And come on, has anybody ever been bitten by a shark at New Smyrna? So (laughs) I'm silly. So so, and the other thing is when the ocean and the river come together, there are all these little eddies underneath the water, right? They spin around. And those eddies are just like things you can't see. And I'm going to show you how to get past those big problems that you're going to have in your life uh, with God's plan. But here's the actual condition of most of us. I think I'm going to jump in at the end of that bridge and I'm going to start swimming against the water. And if I swam really, really hard, which I know I could, I would start making progress against the current. And as I'm swimming against the current, I'm making progress, making progress, making progress. I'm having to do just the right form in the best of my abilities with all my strength and all my endurance. And eventually, in a matter of time, I'm going to be exhausted because the river's constantly pushing against me. And eventually, I'm going to be so tired that I'm not going to be able to do it anymore. And then, what's going to happen is the river is going to take charge of me and it's going to push me downstream where it wants me to go. This is exactly where some of you are right now. You've spent your whole life, or you've spent a portion of the life recently, swimming against God's will. And as you're swimming against God's will, and I know this because I talk to people all the time about this, and they come and they're like, Pastor Mike, I'm exhausted. I feel like everything I do right now is 10 times harder than it should be. I feel like I'm constantly uncertain because I'm not gaining ground on the goals that God has for my life and the person that I want to be. And I feel that over and over again. And my mind constantly goes to the river and swimming upstream. You're not going to get where you go. Now, here's the thing. You're talented. You can push back on God's will because you do have talents. You have abilities. This is a good group of people. You guys are smart. You have friends, you have stuff, you have money, you have, you, have, you have all kinds of things that can distract you from God's purposes in your life. And you can try to swim upstream and you can do it for a while because you're strong and talented. But here's the problem. At the end of the day, strong and talented people come to their end when they're walking in their own strength. Now, here's the solution. You can turn back around. My friend said, you know what? The safest way, you know, sans bull sharks. The, the safest way of getting across the river is not to try to go across from the Port Orange side to the New Smyrna side, right, over the, by the jetties. Instead, you go downstream, and you start swimming with the stream. You start rim, swimming with the river. And as you swim with the river, you just keep going a little bit more toward it, a little bit more towards it, and then you can get on the other side. And when you hit one of those eddies that are swirling around, you'll go right over them. Why? Because you're going twice as fast as you would on your own strength but I want you to know two things about this. You get in the river and you start swimming with it. What happens, first of all, you still have to do some work. You have to swim. If I can jump into the river and it's swiftly flowing, I can still drown in that river. I have to start swimming. And as I'm swimming and as I'm swimming, as I'm swimming along the top of that river and I'm continuing to go, now all of a sudden I realize not only am I maximizing what God made me to do, that I'm a real good swimmer. Did I tell you I'm a good swimmer? So, so... Not only did God, not only am I doing and maximizing exactly what God created me to do, but he's also carrying me along at the same time. The river's carrying me along. You're gonna get where you're going between point A and point B twice as fast if you start following God's will and walking in his ways. And it's the reason why so many of us right now are just so completely tired, overwhelmed. And we find ourselves kind of at the end right now. And I don't want you to leave the room and just go back to the old life that you had when you walked into the room. I want you to take a step and trust God with your life. Because you can spend the rest of your life just kind of collapsing, falling apart, trying to swim up river, collapsing, falling apart, trying to swim up river. Or you can trust him with your heart. You can trust him with your life. You can say to God, God, I do want this beautiful story that you're writing for my life. But I know it's going to require me to yield to you and let you lead my life and not me. Hey, You've leaned on your own understanding, your own wisdom, your own strength, your own goodness, your own morality, your talent for too long. We've done that. We've been there. And it's produced some really, really hard and painful things in our life. And God's heart's out there going, I sent my son Jesus into the world to die for you and to love you. And I showed you what a sinful world looks like, but I didn't leave it sinful. I fixed it because I sent Jesus into the world to die. I've done everything that I can do. And now it's your turn. And your turn, your part of this is simply to respond to him. I responded 30 years ago to Jesus and I've not regretted a single day of it. I have been certain about Jesus from uh, the first moment that I said, I give you leadership over me. And it changed my entire life. And no matter how old or how young you are in in the room, it can change your whole life. But you gotta stop swimming upstream. You got to turn back around and say, God, you know, I'm going to start swimming in the direction that you want me to go. And then when you arrive where God wants you to be, you'll be refreshed because while you were swimming, he was carrying you the whole time. You need to know that that's just what his desire is for you. And I want to give that to you. I can't give it to you, but I want to give you the opportunity to have that. So here's what I'm going to do just in a second. Here's what you're signing up for. I want everybody to have full disclosure, all right? You're saying, God, I want you to lead my life. I have swam upstream for for a good portion of my life and I don't want to do it anymore. And so, and so here's what we're going to do. I'm not going to call you forward and try to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to raise hands. Nothing like that. And in fact, everybody, in just a second, I'm going to ask you to bow your head. And then I'm going to start over on this side of the room. And all I'm going to ask you to do is say, listen, if you're ready to say, I'm all in with Jesus, I'm going to trust him with my life. I'm going to make him leader over my life. If you're ready to do that today, which we've already had 200-something people do that this week, this last two days already. If you're ready to join them and others who have done that at Grace, I want you simply to look up at me. I'll go, yep. And then you put your head back down. And then we'll just pray for you at the end. Okay? So we're gonna start over here. Everybody just put your heads down right now. If you're ready, and you're like I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I don't wanna be this person anymore. This is this is what I need. So if you're ready over here, just take a look at me right now. Look up, yes. Yes. Don't let that moment go by. I don't want you to miss that opportunity. Just look up right now if you're ready. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. All you guys. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. All right, over here in the middle of the room on the on the on the left-hand side. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, yes, yes. Yes, sir. Thank you for that, bud. Amen. Yes. Yes. In the back, yes. Okay, over here in the middle, right side. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yep. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, in the back. Okay, over here on the right side. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yep, in the back. Yes, ma'am. In the back. Let me pick a moment and pray for you right now. And you just pray this prayer with me. God, I don't know everything that I need to know about you, but I know that you love me and that you're a good father and that your desire is for me to have the beautiful story that you've written for my life. And I want to yield to that. I have lived too long just doing my own thing. I want you to lead my life. I want you to direct me. And so God, I invite you to be in my life, to be my savior, to be my friend, to be my guide, to be my God. And Lord, right now, I know that I'm never going to do this perfectly, but I want to trust you each and every step. And Father, I now pray for them as well that you would just, as they, even today, that you would just lift off of their shoulders all of the weight that they've been carrying, the weight of carrying their own life and swimming against the stream of your will. I pray, God, right now that you just, by your Holy Spirit, fill them with excitement and peace and joy, knowing that that their future is secure, that they're going to gain wisdom and insight and perspective, God. Lord, I, I praise you for what you just did, God. It is good. Amen. Hey, everybody, look up here real quick. If you made that commitment, here's all you're going to do, okay? Because you're just going to learn, and we're going to grow, and we're going to figure out how to do this together, okay? Just show up at church next week, and the next week, and the next week, and the next week. Start making that a regular practice for you. And each and every week, you'll learn something new that will help you take your next step toward Christ. Hey, can we celebrate that moment right now? <laughs> Amen.